0: It was enough for me, it was the mustard seed, if you like, that was planted in me, that I knew if I had got back to to America and Grand Rapids, no matter what, if I got sober and got help and got to Guiding Light, that I could have some hope and possibly I could be a father to my kids one day and I could maybe be a husband still. I didn't know at the time what, what my life looked like, but I knew that there was a chance of me getting help and getting clean and trying to live a life I'd never lived.
1: Hi and welcome, this is Casting Light, podcast series from Guiding Light. Spotlighting stories of recovery and hope that happen here inside Guiding Light. These are real stories of recovery and hope, and as we shared on a recent episode, these are stories that allow the men who go through the recovery programs, the back-to-work programs, the many successful programs here, Guiding Light allows these men to tell their stories, which is powerful, it's important, it's cathartic, and it hopefully will inspire you to become more involved and eventually, hopefully, be a financial supporter of Guiding Light. My name is Phil Tower. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you every episode on this podcast series, and we have told a full spectrum of stories from Men who've gone through recovery from board members to parents, and now another story of recovery, this time with uh, Charlie, who is the current maintenance and facility manager here at Guiding Light, and he is with us on this episode to share his story. First of all, Charlie, you don't look like you've been working real hard, is it that I- you, you cleaned up. Uh, you don't have grass on your face or anything like that. It's good to have you here, first of all. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. It's uh, an honor and a pleasure for me to be here. The British accent, can you give us the 30-second background on that? I'm from England. Okay, all right. <laughs>
1: Three seconds. Well done. No, no, how did you come here? How long have you been here?
0: Um, so, yeah, born and raised in London, England. Um, I met my wife, who is um, a Grand Rapids native in London. She was doing some of her business studies abroad. We met and lived and got married in London in 2009. We met and were married, lived there for a little while. And she had come back to straighten out some of her visa documents. And during that time, a volcano actually erupted in Iceland and there was an airspace shutdown in Europe. And she wasn't allowed to return back due to her being too heavily pregnant on a long flight, and I ended up flying out here. My son was born, and the rest really is history 10 years later. Never went back? I've been back a couple times since, but not under a good cloud, if you like. Um, Mm. The last time I went back was when I decided to run away from everything because I thought all my problems were here in Grand Rapids, Mm. and I um, returned to London to connect with my old lifestyle, and that's when my life really started spiraling out of control again.
1: Again? Yes. I've heard that story before, Charlie. It happens a lot for men who try to get their life back together if they're addicts using drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. And for you, it meant fleeing Grand Rapids, going back to london um what was that life like obviously friends who were users as well and just paint a picture for us
0: so you know growing up for me it was i was encouraged to drink and drug and fight and steal and cheat and, and lie um that was installed in me before i even took a drink or a drug i was seven or eight when those values and morals were installed in me i was brought up to deny everything admit to nothing um didn't go to school didn't have an education so that was my life. That was who I was. I was encouraged to be that guy. I, you know, if I didn't drink and drug and fight and steal, I would have been looked upon as weak or different or weird. So I lived that lifestyle for 30 plus years. And it wasn't until I met my wife and tried to carry on some of those old ideas and that lifestyle with me that it was brought to my attention and to my knowledge that it wasn't acceptable. Um, I was a father of. A couple of younger boys at the time and i was still behaving the way that i had when i was growing up in london Mm -hmm. uh, and i was living in grand rapids at the time going back to england this last time i ran away from what i thought was all my problems here but everywhere i went there i was couldn't outrun your shadow i could not i could not and as i ran and ran it got darker and darker um i walked away from my family, my kids, my house, my mortgage, my daughter was newly born and the drink and the drugs just took me. Um, I, I had thought that if I went back and associated with the people that knew me for what I was and who I was, I wouldn't be judged or um, I would be able to continue to do those things that I thought were acceptable and a normal way of life at the time what year is this roughly 2018 yeah so just three years ago three years ago so
1: you end up back in Grand Rapids and you find your way into guiding light help me understand how that all happened
0: right so prior to me fleeing America and going back to Europe I had given sobriety a shot I had been introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous I had gone to some meetings, I'd met with some people in the program, but I'd never really taken it serious, I never really had done it for me, I had done it because my ass was on fire, because the wife had asked me to do it, because I, you know, was maybe going to lose my job, or situations that weren't for me, so I'd been introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd been introduced to guys from Guiding Light, I'd heard about the program at Guiding Light through AA, and... It was enough for me. It was the mustard seed, if you like, that was planted in me that I knew if I had got back to to America and Grand Rapids, no matter what, if I got sober and got help and got to Guiding Light that I could have some hope and possibly I could be a father to my kids one day and I could maybe be a husband still. I didn't know at the time what, what my life looked like, but I knew that there was a chance of me getting help and getting clean and trying to live a life I'd never lived. So you are accepted
1: into the recovery program at Guiding Light. How long ago was that when you started here? So
0: initially, I came down and did the pre-check-in, if you like, did the paperwork and was going to be submitted. And I actually tested positive for cocaine and um, amphetamines, and I was not allowed to enter the program. Mm -hmm. Um, I had known that I had been out 72 hours before, and I had a decision to make. I could have made a phone call and got picked up and carried on living the life I was so accustomed to, or I made a decision that I was just going to spend the night walking up and down Michigan Street, going to Grand Coney, to McDonald's, drinking fluids, because I knew if I came back the following day, the chances were that it would have been out of my system because I was at the tail end of it. And that was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. I did that, and I returned the next morning, and they tested me, and I was clean, and they allowed me to come in. You stayed out all night
1: drank a lot of fluids and basically detoxed yourself and then walked to God in light the next morning. Wow.
0: And from that day on, my life changed. I know I remember being accepted and coming in and I was never a big crier. I'd never really showed my emotions. And I remember sitting out in the, in the dining room where there used to be the blue chairs where you'd sit and wait on probation. And I was crying. I was weeping. I was crying because I knew at that point I had a chance. I had some hope.
1: As I'm understanding, those are tears of hopefulness, not tears of, oh my God, I've just absolutely torpedoed my life. It's more hope in those tears than anything.
0: It's hope. It's hope. I still don't know the outcome. I still don't know what the future holds. My wife had filed for divorce at this point. I didn't know if my house had foreclosed. I didn't know what my future looked like as far as being a father to my children. But I knew I had hope. I knew that if I stopped drinking and drugging, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how I was going to do that. But I knew that I had hope. And if I could do that and string some days together and get through the program, that there was, there was light and there was a chance.
1: When you started going through the recovery here at Guiding Light, the recovery program, which is free, by the way.
0: It's not a free ride, though.
1: No, it is not a free ride. Was there a turning point for Charlie, maybe at a certain day or time where you woke up or you just kind of was sitting there and went, wow, this is going to be different?
0: I I think so. I think I can identify that as being a month into the program. And if I'm honest, when I came in, I'd come back from Europe and I had had a lot of duty-free cigarettes and I was I was selling cigarettes to guys and I was still looking at the monopoly of how I was going to make money and I was still behaving like I used to but in a different way. And it was actually the 21st of October. It was the day before my daughter's first birthday, which is three years tomorrow. And I wasn't able to call her. I wasn't able to talk to her. I didn't know what the future held. And I wanted to do something for her And it was at that point that I knew I had to make changes and I gave all the cigarettes and tobacco that I had on me and I quit smoking. And I think at that point I started taking it serious because up until then I was still looking at ways of manipulating people, making money, doing side stuff. And it was old behaviors. And I think at that point it was a a moment of, I don't know if it was clarity, but it was a moment where I knew I had to, for me to change, I had to make some changes. It was... Your about to be one-year-old daughter that was the
1: real game-changer for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The motivation behind it was my daughter. It was my daughter, and it was the pain. The pain was real, and it, I was hurting, and it was enough for me to know that I had to do this. There wasn't going to be another chance.
1: We're speaking with Charlie. He is the current maintenance and facility manager here at Guiding Light, a successful recovery client here at Guiding Light as well as we're hearing his story. And it's a powerful story uh, filled with hope and, of course, recovery. And I want to know about how your family evolved with you through this journey. You come through Guiding Light, the recovery program is four months help us understand what happened as you went along, because that had to be uh, a sense of maybe hope or fear or inspiration, a little bit of all. Can you share that with us?
0: Yeah, I think all of the above, for sure. For me, um, I was in an environment with over 30 gentlemen trying to to beat addiction in one shape or way um, of another. It was... It was, it was hard for me to be in situations like that because it, I, I felt like having been institutionalized a lot in my life, it, it kind of reminded me of being like that, although I was free to leave at any point. Um, I think after the revelation of me knowing that I had to make some changes in October, I started to really participate and get, get out what I put in through the program. I think at that point, my wife had started to make contact with me and she had started to see some changes in me. And in the past, it had all been for everybody else, and I think people started to realize it was for me. People had heard the sorries. People had heard the, I'm not going to do this again. It was about action for me, and it was about me having a plan, committing to you know a year in recovery, and walking the walk. Yeah,
1: I'm struck by something you said when you were seven years old. You said you basically... Everything instilled in you was be antisocial, you know, just be a scammer, do everything you can to deny and to steal and get whatever you can. The world is a horrible, mean place, yet you have this wonderful gift uh, filled with grace and hope and an incredible power story of recovery, Charlie. As a dad, what does this mean to you for this chance to, to pour into your kids
0: it's amazing I mean for me today I never had a dad I never had role models in my life and for me to be present in my kids lives and for me to be a role model for someone that they can look up to and I don't know if I'm going to win a dad of the year award but I'm definitely I'm it's progress not perfection for me you know I used to not want to go home after work to avoid the kids and the wife and today I can't wait to get home to be present to create memories being a father is is one of the blessings of life. And, you know, we recently um, added to the addition in the Bell household. We had a, a little girl named Isabel born last year through the the pandemic. She was born in, in June of 2020, and she's just turned one. So um, the family's growing. We've added a little puppy to the household as well. We just bought a new house and Life is great. You know, being a dad is is great. I'm a husband to my wife. I'm present. I'm in the moment. I enjoy spending time with them. Uh, I've just been given this new lease of life.
1: I am so inspired by hearing you say this. And along the way, you were given a job, which men, so many men, Charlie, identify themselves to work. What's it like to be director of facilities and maintenance here?
0: You know, they say if you find a job you love, you never work another day in your life. And I think that's very true for me today. I was given the opportunity to take over just as I was coming up on my four months of foundations. And I'd always had a background in property management is what I did. And I was kind of looking at getting out of it just because of the drinking and the drugging that's involved in construction and maintenance and that kind of lifestyle. So I didn't know if I was going to look at trying to do something else or... Where my life was going to go, as far as my career, and then the opportunity came out for me to kind of do something that I'd always done in a safe environment, whilst being humble, whilst staying grateful, whilst being able to be in recovery still, work with guys in recovery, and it was a, it was a, a no-brainer decision for me, you know, um, and I've been here, you know, almost three years now, and it's it's great, it's great.
1: I'm so grateful to hear your story as we share these stories of recovery, which are so powerful. They're so transformational, Charlie. Faith is an underlying current here at getting Light. Yet yeah, no man has ever beaten over the head with a Bible or, or that faith. What role has faith played in you for all of this?
0: Faith has been a huge part of my recovery and my journey, even early on when I was blind to it. Um, I can relate to that now and look back over the years for good and bad and know that God put me in situations and played a part in my life and my role for good and bad to get me where I was. My wife is a very faithful woman. My kids are all baptized at young ages. I had kind of been going to church on and off for the last five years through trying to get sober. And part of me relapsing and running away was because I thought everyone was trying to brainwash me and Mm. this religion and this Bible bashing stuff that you just talked about. This time around, it was different for me. I recently was just baptized for the first time at the age of 45. I became Congratulations. a Catholic. That's and huge. Today, you know, faith in my recovery is huge. It's a huge part of my recovery. Um, and I guess in the past, I always thought that there would be maybe a spiritual awakening where the clouds opened up and this light shone down on me and there was me being saved. But guess what? That never happened. And I'm okay with that. I just know today that Without my higher power, who I choose to call God, I wouldn't be where I am today with my family, with my recovery, with my life. And I owe it all to to the Lord.
1: For that person listening to us or the mom or the dad of that person who is about to run the opposite direction in their life like you did, what would you share with that person or their parents? Words of inspiration, words of wisdom... What would Charlie today tell them?
0: You know, I'd tell him to stop digging. You know, we can all keep digging and we can keep digging and digging and dig below trapdoors and keep digging. Um, Stop digging and just stand up and face up. You know, I was ashamed to ask for help. I thought surrendering made me feel weak. Just that word, surrender. I didn't want to surrender to anything. I didn't want to be powerless over anything. I didn't want to admit that. My life was unmanageable. I wanted to be a man. I didn't want to ask for help. I wanted to be strong. Well, today that empowers me. Asking for help if I feel I need help, it's encouraging, it's empowering. You know, saying that I've surrendered to the disease of alcoholism, it it empowers me today. I know that if I put a drop of alcohol in my body or take any type of substance or drugs, I can't be the man that my wife needs, my children need, that my higher power expects me to be. So for me, it's about taking responsibility, standing up, and asking for help. Asking for help.
1: Your story is powerful, and I thank you so much for sharing it with me and with our listeners. Just don't ask me to mow the lawn, okay? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Charlie, another one of these amazing stories of recovery, and hope he is the Director of Maintenance and Facilities here at Guiding Light. This story that Charlie has shared, which has been enlightening to say the least, Uh, there are stories of men like Charlie and so many more who come through the doors here at Guiding Light seeking help because they were tired of running away. And thanks to the compassion of So many people, including our donors, we hope you are one of them. If you're not, we hope you will feel compelled to help someone out there like Charlie see the light and be a part of this powerful, this transformational program of recovery here at Guiding Light. You can learn more by visiting guidinglightworks.org, guidinglightworks.org. I don't need to tell you anything else. I can't sell you on this program. The story you have heard and the stories you have heard on all of the episodes of Casting Light will do more than enough to speak to you in a way that no words can. Thank you for listening. Thank you, most importantly, for telling a friend about our podcast series, Casting Light, powerful stories of recovery and hope. I'm Phil Tower. It's always an honor and a pleasure. This is Casting Light.